Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. Even though he's been doing this for 40 years, he can't go to a blackboard and explain Pete Carroll's system to you. And if you don't know every scheme, if you don't know players and plays, it's hard for you to judge. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefei. Oh, this is the GM Shuffle presented by DraftKings and Visa with the one and only Michael Lombardi. And Femi Abebefe, I'm your host here. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. The draft has concluded, which is the return of America's favorite game show. Where in the world is Michael Lombardi? Michael, how we doing, buddy? Well, I, I don't know if it's a game show, but I'm in Utah right now, uh, driving my way back to the great state of New Jersey. I cannot wait to get back. I think... Can't wait to cross that Jersey state line. You know, I'll be like barefoot girl sitting on the hood of a car crossing the Jersey state lines, but it'll be good. That's from Backstreet's uh, Femi. I know you don't know that song, but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Utah's an incredibly beautiful place, though. You know, I don't know how much there is to do. Kind of look out of place here in Utah, Italian from New Jersey, but it's really beautiful. It really is. So we're making our way back. I'm going to hit Denver tonight, be in Denver tonight, watch the 76ers against the Celtics. Looking forward to that. Your boy's not playing tonight. You're one of his defense attorneys, too. He's not playing tonight. Shocking. I don't think he's playing. Who knows? He's, he's not a client of mine. No, he's but he's, he's going to win MVP tomorrow. So I know of you guys course. are not really able to celebrate that. Of course, that. we're going to have a huge parade for him because, you know, winning MVP is the most important thing in any sport, right? I mean, you want to win that. And because team winning a, yeah, because winning a championship has no relevance at all, you know. But I think this is uh, I, I, I think this is. You know, to me, it's it's symbolic of the whole thing. Like, it's more about personal accolades than it is the team. I'd rather hang banners than hang MVPs, but so be it. 
Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to miss you. We had you out here in Vegas for six weeks and stuff like that. We were together for so much time, but now you're heading back to Jersey. Uh, we knew know, you eventually I, had to go back home, but uh, I, it was now, fun. I mean, I actually know what life's like with a commute. Like, I haven't had that. You know, I, I leave my house. <laughs> And drive about three blocks, and I'm in my office, and then I drive the three, uh, the eight or ten blocks ba- back, and you know, like I, now I got a, I don't have a commute. I'd say this, you know, the circuit, the people at the circuit were incredible. Derek Stevens were incredible to me. Barry, if you ever come out the circuit, you know, the stadium swims incredible. Uh, yep. The sports book, as you know, is incredible. The, and the casino is the cleanest thing I've ever seen in my life. But also, I, I would recommend Barry's Steakhouse, you know, was good. The other place you got to go to, you got to go to Oscar Steakhouse because Oscar Goodman has a steakhouse right next door at the plaza. Tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous. And then, of course, Oscar's around. That was an incredible event. But uh, it was awesome. I had a great, great time there. Yeah, have you been to Sinatra's at the at the, at the the yeah. win? Yeah, I've been to Sinatra. Sinatra. Very nice. Very, really, really good service. I had the veal when I went and I loved it. Of course you did. It's the best in the city. It's the best in the city. Of course you did. Yeah, it's awesome there. Yeah. As for Tommy, tremendous maitre d' there. It's awesome. Everything's good there. They even have Sinatra Select. So uh, my man Isaac took me to dinner there one night and then I went back with the Nolan family. So I was there twice. So that that was all good. So I I almost could become a restaurant critic of Vegas. That would be a good (laughs) thing too. It's early in the morning on the West Coast. It'll be a late afternoon kind of lunchtime for our friends on the East Coast when the podcast drop. I think we're going to make everybody hungry with this first yeah. uh, four minutes or so. But so let's I, actually I, get I, into it. <laughs> let's get into it. But I think really the, the, where we are today after the draft, we, we have gone from lying season, right, where we were everybody was lying to now everybody proclaims how great of a draft is. I mean, it's amazing, right? Have you ever seen anything like it? And and no, nobody disappointed. I mean, somebody sent me a. Uh, I, I think, oh, this is Chad Rudders. Guess what Baltimore got for their draft? Oh, was, was that Just an A for, a for for our Ravens? Yeah, of course they did. There we go. I mean, we go. like you could write one team got a C. Oh, who was that? Wow, what did they do? To well, get a the C? Detroit Lions got a C because they took the uh, back, and that violates yeah. everybody's code of conduct. But let's get into it anyway. Let's talk about it. I, I tweeted out yesterday, Femi, or I think yeah, it's Sunday. You, you, yesterday. you had football Twitter up in, up in a frenzy yesterday with your tweet. I don't understand why this is so complicated to get to. And I'm not saying Tennessee – look. We know Arizona was engaged in conversations with the Raiders. I mean, you can read Peter King's column this morning and see that, right? But Mm -hmm. once Nick took the quarterback, then the value of that third pick for Monty went down to, you know, who's trading up for Richardson, who's trading up for Levis. And so what Nick simply did was he flipped it. He locked everybody out of three that wanted a quarterback. Now, three could have traded down to – to, to seven with the Raiders, and the Raiders would have come up, and I don't know whether they would have picked Will Anderson, whether they would have picked Tyree Wilson, whether they picked Devin Weatherspoon or, or Paris Johnson. I don't know. But he overpaid for the quarterback. And when you look at it, Femi, and, and you see it, and you just examine it, right? So if you go by the Jimmy Johnson chart, he overpaid by 600 points. The Buffalo Bills overpaid for Josh Allen by 700 points on the Johnson chart, Okay. When you look at it, I don't know, Stort, this guy Stort has a chart. They overpaid by 20. He said they gave 32 points. They gave up 52 points. Some guy named Hill, you know, I don't know who these people are, but 847 points that Arizona received, you know, the the point differential was 300 there in favor of Arizona. Okay. The point differential on OTC was 
1,866. The point differential on our boys over at PFF, we don't know who they are. They're behind a curtain. They're all mysterious. Nobody knows, but they grade. Uh, that, that was a, a 0.79. And then on some guy named Baldwin, it was 200. So all this overpayment is not because of – it's because of the quarterback. And I think to me, whether Tennessee wanted the quarterback or not is irrelevant, right? Tennessee obviously drafted Levis in the second round. But what Nick did was he locked anybody out of who else might have liked it. And then he just overpaid. He didn't overpay for Anderson. He overpaid for the quarterback. That's how he's looking at it. He has to look at it that way. Well, let's play the why clip of Nick Why is it so Casario. hard for people to oh. understand that? Why, why is it so hard? You don't over you, – you, if you're going to – everybody overpays to move up to get a quarterback. That's just common. Well – Hold that thought. I want to play this clip from Nick Casario because here's, he is, in his own words, talking about why they made the move that they made to go ahead and secure Stroud and Will Anderson at the top of the draft. The trade in and of itself was just about doing what we felt was best for the team and the organization. Um, and I would say trades are always a product or a function of the player. And, you know, I would say just from our perspective, it's not about, like, what the points tell you on a chart. You know, if you have conviction about a player and you want a player – and you think the trade is the right thing for you to do, then you go ahead and do it, you know, which is what we did. So I'd say we're certainly not worried about like what the points are and what the trade chart says. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. So um, so the trade was really driven more by this is a player we thought would bring a lot of value to our team. So that's why we went ahead and did it. Okay. Them, I agree with what he said completely, right? But he, he also he blew up the deal by what he offered, right? It's a little bit like, you know, if you're going to go buy a house and the guy wants a million dollars for the house and somebody else is in the bidding and they're offering a million one and you offer a million seven, you're getting the house. That's what he did. He just blew him out of the water and he guaranteed himself the pick and he guaranteed himself to come away with two players. And again, as I said on Friday, I don't have any issue with the two players he picked in terms of the structure of team building. I'm not in love with either guy. I think either guy could be good. Do I think they're great? No, I, I, I don't. But that's that that's what makes the draft so good. I mean, you know, I saw in Peter King today, Mel Kuyper said, I didn't like the rest of the Raiders draft. Like, how would he know? Like, how would he know? Like, how is that even fair to anybody? Like, you know, it's like you, you, you to me, it's about team building. It's about what happens three years from now. I mean, his grades, do we go back and analyze his grades? I wish somebody would come out with a column on on after all his grades that he gives out. I mean, it's like it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Mel could be right. Exactly. He could be 100 percent right. But he also could be 100 percent wrong, which he often is. No, he doesn't exactly. know, nobody knows the fit for every player for the team. Right. I mean, nobody knows the fit. So like nobody is the authority on the draft. If the draft had an authority, if we had a guy that was 1,000% correct, then, then okay, he could be the greater. But this isn't the way it is. Hall of Fame people. I mean, Al Davis wasn't right all the time. Bill Polian wasn't right all the time. Nobody's right all the time. Bill Walsh wasn't right all the time. You know, it's just, to me, so, like, nobody's the authority. The great situation and what we do post draft, and I get it, it's great for content and all that. But like you said, the great is based off your own personal biases of how you felt about that player heading into the draft, in which your evaluation could be correct or it could be wrong. I mean, I always bring this one up, but Mel Kiper famously gave the Seattle Seahawks a very bad grade for that 2012 draft class that netted them Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And he didn't really see the vision that the Seahawks saw. 
he of course he did because he doesn't understand what he doesn't he didn't he doesn't know what even though he's been doing this for 40 years he doesn't know Pete he can't go to a blackboard and explain Pete Carroll's system to you nor can he tell you what the middle linebacker in Pete Carroll's system does and if you don't know that it's hard to quantify whether Bobby Wagner is going to be a good fit for you see we we take football like it's baseball you play third base for the Mets you play third base for the Yankees same position no it's not it's not it's a different skill game and if you don't know every scheme if you don't know players and plays, it's hard for you to judge. Like, it's really hard for you to judge. Like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what offense they're going to run with with Stroud now. So were they going to fit to what he did at Ohio State? How are they going to handle that? And so the things that you look at, you just can't. Like, for example, I don't – I mean, everybody's talking about Zay. We'll get to this later when we break down all the teams. But when you look at, like, Flowers – like, I think Lamar needs tight ends, big receivers. If I were Baltimore, I would have drafted Kincaid because Lamar succeeds with tight ends. He succeeds with big receivers in the middle of the field, not little guys on the outside. But, but and, and I'm not saying Zay Flowers is not a good player, but when you know the strength of who you are as an offense or a team, when you scout inside out, you can do that. To me, there's the criticism. It isn't Zay Flowers isn't a good player. It's how does he fit within the program? And if you don't understand everybody's team, I mean, I learned this from Al Davis. The first time I met Al Davis, he started quizzing me on teams and like, okay, tell me, you know, would you know the scheme on this team? Like, and I'm like, holy fuck. I'm like, I'm out. I mean, I, I better start studying this shit really hard because if you don't know it, how can you apply it? How do you know what they're going to do? How do you know what team vertical sets? How do you know what team does what they do in their offensive line and their protections? So you have to know this. And so people that are grading these grant drafts, they couldn't tell you five, they couldn't tell you. I love it where they said Bill Belichick will draft Nolan Smith because he fits what he does. No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He has no fit for what he does because they're not playing 34 all the time because Nolan Smith's going to have to be a DPR for him. He's going to have to be on the edge of the line. He wants to set the edge. He's not he's not going to be the overhang player. He's going to be the end of the line player. So you got to understand all this shit. No, I, I do think that's a key point to keep in mind when you are taking the, the, the context of these grades here. I want to ask you, though, about this compensation that Houston sent to Arizona, because you've made the argument that saying, hey, the Texans boxed out Tennessee and the Las Vegas Raiders by taking Stroud at number two. What would that compensation have looked like if they took Anderson at two and then the bidding war got underway for number three? We'll discuss that. We'll take a quick break. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your 
your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. So in case you missed it, yesterday, Sunday morning, Michael Lombardi tweeted this out. And I want to read this just for the folks who might not have seen this on Twitter. You tweeted, when you break down the Texans trade to number three, it will be valued as they traded for Will Anderson, when in reality, they traded for C.J. Stroud and the comp they paid represents trading for a quarterback. So let's do the hypothetical scenario. I know it's it's already been done, but I just want to kind of play this out to kind of illustrate what you mean. The Texans gave up number 12 this year. They gave up the 33rd pick this year as well, so their second rounder, and then a first round pick and a third round pick in 2024. That first round pick is their own. It is not the one that they got in the Deshaun Watson deal. It is their own first round pick for next season. So let's Which, which play. is significant. Okay, that's it significant. Is very significant. Because, very because, significant. If it, because based on, on the breakdown of the trade, okay, future picks are discounted by 10%. And so we're going to call what Arizona received a mid first round pick when in reality that could be a top 10 pick, which is even going to enhance this even more. So the, the, even this right here isn't even, this could be, this is probably the minimal of what they're going to pay. It could be more in terms of point value. So if they had taken Will Anderson, number two, what do you think would have happened at three? Because you talk about how they boxed those teams out and maybe that, I guess, decreased the the the, the amount of picks that they would have to give up or the value of said draft picks. Would this have had to have been three number ones to go up from 12 to three if Stroud was still on the board? No, I think they paid as if Stroud was at three. That's my point of the whole conversation. Okay. They, they just overbid. I don't think Tennessee was ever going to pay this, nor do I. I don't even know if Tennessee was in it. We, there might have been some other teams in it from three to seven, but this blew anybody else out of the water. So what I'm saying to everybody is from a mindset of a general manager is basically it doesn't you paid this for the quarterback. This is you paid quarterback value, right? You paid quarterback value and you put your chips at the middle of the table. And so how you did that is is how your thought process. But when you took Stroud. You basically removed any questions of whether Tennessee could come up, whether they wanted to or not. The Raiders were never coming up for Stroud. So that's out of it. I mean, they've even admitted that. I think they admitted it today in Peter King's column. They had four guys they liked. They wanted three quarterbacks to go first. They got that. So, you know, I, 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 I'm allowed to say that because it was in Peter King's column. So anyway. <laughs> that wasn't the dinner side chat? Yeah, I, I won't get in trouble at home now. I mean, I won't get, I won't get, you know, I won't, I mean, he won't let Sienna talk to me for like four days if, if, if something gets out. And that'll break my heart. But anyway, so, uh, you know, so I, I, you just have to understand it. You, you got to be able to, this is, to me, you only do this when you have conviction of the quarterback. And again, I'm not criticizing what he paid. He overpaid. And if Stroud's great, it's great. He he doesn't have to have Anderson be great for this to work. He needs Stroud to be great for this to be great. Mm. So you you don't think that Anderson is, let's say Anderson ends up being like just an average pass rusher. We're not going to look back on this and say, oh, my God, they messed that up. The media will look back that way. I won't. I'll I'll say to me, this this was always about Stroud. 
It was always about getting the quarterback and how he manipulated. See, the draft has has there's ways to manipulate the draft, you know, and unless you've been in the room, you don't really understand it. You know, like I'll give you like there's a couple times in this draft where one team was just really damn lucky. They're sitting there in the second round and they want to pick their guy and they're trying to trade up to get their guy. They thought they had a deal. They don't get it. And the team behind them traded up the, the team whale behind them traded up right behind them to get the same guy they wanted. So they got lucky. They got their guy. Then in the third round, they waited it out and they got another guy and the team was trying to trade above them to get the guy they ended up picking. Sometimes it's just lucky. Sometimes when you're trying to trade up, you can't get up there. You know, teams decide to change it. I mean, we saw it today when uh, in that same column. I mean, they were trying to trade up to get Michael Mayer. The Raiders in the first round, they thought they had to deal with Kansas City. It fell through. They ended up making a deal with they thought they had to deal with Detroit. That fell through. And then they got another deal and they picked them. So, you know, it's there's a lot of manipulation. And sometimes you're trying to trade up to try to freeze the pick to make them have to not let somebody else get involved in that pick. You follow me? Yeah, you're trying no, to trade it, up. I'm trying to go to three. I really don't want three, but I want to I just want to be on the conversation with three to tie them up to see if that maybe that, you know, somebody doesn't get in there and somebody walks away and then you go and then maybe you do it. It's what we call freezing the pick. You're trying to freeze the pick. You're trying to say, okay, I'm calling up there. Let's just keep them on the phone, keep them engaged. And when we had 15 minutes in the first round, it was harder to keep them engaged. You had to shit or get off the pot. Right. But now with 10 minutes, you, you, you got a better chance. Okay. Well now we won't do Let me call you right back. And then they're waiting for you to call back. You know, we're in this, but we'll wait for you to call back. You know, I will push back and disagree with you on the fact that if Anderson doesn't me, work out, give, there's give not going to be. Give me, give me Femi Twitter. Come on, give me Femi because well, because well, here, here's here's where I'm not with you is that Stroud his success is independent of Will Anderson, and when they picked Stroud at number two, they didn't have to go up and get Will Anderson at number three. They yeah, could have just did. let that go yeah, by. You know, well, no, because, well, why, why because they, we, why know, we know this. We know this. We we do know that those were the words that came out. They weren't picking a quarterback. Just weren't weren't. I mean, Schefter reported it. I reported yeah. it. More. Everybody knew it. I think what happened in Houston was the owner said, look, fellas, I want a quarterback. You figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so I think what Nick did was solve the problem. I think Nick said, OK, what quarterback could we take? Which one do we want? And here are the two players. I think there was a mandate. And I think he wanted Anderson. Oh, I think that's what he wanted. Because here's the reality. We've known this. Think about this. All through the draft process, Houston, there was nothing that was revealing in terms of what player they liked. What came out was they weren't in love with the quarterbacks. And that was factual. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they fell back in love with Stroud. Okay, everybody has a right to fall in and out of love. The reality here is, that I think what he did was manage the situation. If he couldn't get up to three, he satisfied his owner by getting Stroud. Okay. Yeah. But but by overpaying for three, he satisfied himself. But that's my argument: is that he didn't have to get what he wanted. I mean, he's not. Yeah, he, did. he only he wouldn't because be he wouldn't be he, the first he, GM he to not get what he wanted. Yeah, but he would have felt like okay, I, I you know I passed up a chance to get a defensive end for a head coach who needs an OE end. And that's the guy that we can build a defense around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, and, maybe and he, I mean, he paid dearly for it. Look, he paid dearly for it. He, did. he paid he dearly did. for it. But again, this is to me, this is all about Stroud. You, you might think it's about it's about Stroud. If Stroud's no. good, 
if Stroud's good, then this trade nobody's like nobody's nobody went back to to what the what 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 the the Texans paid for Watson originally. Nobody's gone back to what the Chiefs paid for Mahomes. Nobody's gone back to what Buffalo paid for Allen. It's all worth it based on what they played like. Again, it's how they play. It's not where we pick them. So when you're giving up picks, I mean, you know, is Justin Fields going to be worth two number ones? You know, you're going to get your white hair on and you're going to get your yeah. robes on and have to defend this now. Is he, worth, was he worth the trade up? Yeah, I mean, well, you know. The games will be played this fall. <laughs> We're going to find out. But I guess well, the games I, have been I, played I, for two years. I know you've ignored those, but that's okay. okay. Uh, all right. All right. Well, yeah, that, 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 the data sample size was corrupt. Uh, now we have a, 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 an actual well, he sample have size. players around them. You know, he doesn't have any players hey, around them. See, you know, you're learning. Know. Yeah. <laughs> But so. I guess I'm with you on the point to where like they made the deal to try to satisfy both parties, McNair and also D'Amico Ryans. My point is just that if Stroud is good and they didn't get Will Anderson, the team could still be good. Now they would have had to try to find another pass rusher. Maybe Casario and, and Ryans were just absolutely in love with Will Anderson and think he's going to be that next dominant edge player. But if Stroud is good, that's where this thing really takes off. They didn't have to go up and get three. They had to do it to satisfy both parties, but they didn't have to do it in order to be successful, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, no, they could have stayed. I mean, he could have stayed still, but if he stays at 12, there's some talk that they were going to pick Meyer at 12. I don't know if that's true or not, but there was some conversation about that. So yeah. if he ends up with Michael Mayer and, and, and C.J. Stroud in the first round, that doesn't look as good as having Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, especially if you're a defensive head coach. Yeah. No, on paper, I think it looks really good with Stroud and Anderson now in the fold in Houston. Uh, I was looking at their win total. It's five and a half uh, at the Westgate here in Las Vegas. So it could be an interesting team that's a little bit better than people think with the roster that they put together. Let's b- breeze through some of the rest of the AFC South here. We're a little bit behind schedule, but hey, we're going to get it all in because this is our draft extravaganza recap. Uh, the South is where all the quarterbacks were taken. We saw yeah. the Colts take Anthony Richardson. We saw the Titans take Will Levis. It looked like that was going to be the case before the draft started and ended up playing out that way yeah i mean how about jim ursay saying that he would have taken anthony richardson you know first overall i mean look I, I again you know they i thought they i thought chris boward and shane steichen said it well that we're taking this guy on on what we feel like we can develop and move him forward and you can't argue with that i think to me that's that's the case i think the corner they got in in the second round the the 44th pick i actually think he was better than joey porter because he can cover i think joey porter was a cover two man more of a cover two player than he is a true one uh, and and i think to me you know jacksonville getting harrison gives him a right tackle they got a good they got a good running back in bigsby and and i think to me that the when you break this down the titans i mean i don't know like the Titans, Will Levis. I know everybody thinks that's going to be a good pick. I have my doubts. I love Spears, the running back from Tulane. I think he'll be a good player. But I think the Texans, the Titans are on a rebuilding program. I mean, I think this is going to be a, a little bit of a of a of a long slug for what's going to happen. And I think Rand Carthon's going to have his work cut out for him. Yeah, no, we talked about it a little bit on Friday on the Lombardi line on our show on Vison. And and I brought up the point that how Will Levis maybe falling out of the first round might have saved his career because the pressure is not going to be there for him to immediately perform that's typically there for those guys that go in the top five, top ten picks. Uh, rooting for Levis, I'm rooting for all these quarterbacks to be quite honest, just so, because the better the quarterbacks yeah, are, the better they, the league is. Well, I mean, you retain, you're on retainer on most of them, so it's probably good. You know, you'll defend them all. No, that's I mean, it. Your boy. 
your boy Danny O is on retainer for Levis. <laughs> Some of the comments about, that he how made. How about him? He changed it. I know, you know, how about when he said, oh, I, I didn't like the Lions draft, but they went back. Well, then he read Twitter and Twitter, you know, he got mad at him. So he changed. I mean, does anybody react to Twitter more than this guy? I mean, come on. Just, you know, like who cares what Twitter thinks? Like, you know, they're in their basement eating meatloaf. Like, seriously, does anybody really like I got some guy giving me shit all the time on Twitter. Like, do I really give a crap? Like, who cares? Like, I mean, you know. I mean, like, and that's his, and, and, and like, that's his job is to give you shit on Twitter. Look, my job is to give Gerald Posner shit on Twitter, the guy who wrote the book, you know, Case Closed about Oswald being the lone gunman. I mean, my job is to give him shit. I'm going to keep giving him shit until he debates Jimmy D and Gino. I'm going to keep yeah. giving him shit. <laughs> well, I get it. Giving him shit, but you're not eating meatloaf. You're eating fine dining and steaks at Oscars and yeah. berries and all of the above there. So we'll make sure that we'll do that next time you come out in Las Vegas. We're going to break down more draft on this side. We'll take a break, quick break, though. This is the GM Shuffle. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. What a week we have. Sun up to sundown, college basketball conference tournaments all day long for your betting pleasure. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHUFFLE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources you're listening to the gm shuffle with michael lombardi presented by DraftKings and v here is femi abebefe Let's keep it rolling with our draft recap extravaganza. The NFL draft has come and gone. So much buildup to just three days, and it flies on by like it never even happened. But the AFC North, an interesting division. I think one of the best divisions in all of football. I don't think you're going to hear too many arguments against that. Uh, what did you make of uh, how these teams went about their team-building process this past weekend? You know, I thought what Pittsburgh did, getting Broderick Jones the left tackle, trading up, it cost them just a fourth to get him. And then, as I mentioned earlier, like, I don't love Joey Porter, but Joey Porter for Pittsburgh scheme fits, right? Like, that's mm. they're going to roll the coverage. He's going to get his hands on people. He's probably going to get called for too many uh, pass interference calls. He's too handsy. But in their scheme and with Tomlin, I think he fits. You know, he's physical, he'll tackle. I thought, you know, and why did Darnell Washington slip? Darnell Washington slipped for one reason and one reason only because of the medical. He has so many, he had so many injuries. He had so many uh, kind of things going on that the doctors pushed him down, not the talent. So that, you know, if he can stay healthy and that's a big, if you take these guys, you wonder if he could stay healthy. So, you know, I think to me, that was, that was a, a good play. The, you know, the Browns, they don't have a, they didn't pick till 74. I think the Browns best, Offseason acquisition with Schwartz to be their defense coordinator. Let's face it. I mean, I think that's going to help them more than any of these draft picks and if they can come in and play a role. And then, look, let's see. You know, the Ravens, they got an A. We know this. I mean, again, I think they would be better off with an inside. I would have picked Dalton Kincaid. 
because I think Dalton Kincaid could have been a really a, a difference maker. Now, I know they've got tight ends, but with Lamar, you need to throw the ball in the middle of the field. I keep saying that. I mean, they need San Francisco style of offense. I thought Cincinnati did really good. DJ Turner, they get battle the safety. You know, they get Miles Murphy, a, a guy. And I think one thing about Cincinnati that gives them a little advantage over a lot of people is they let their their coaches are good evaluators. I think Lou Amarone was a good evaluator. And so he's able to find players that fit what he wants them to do and fit them in the system. That's a huge advantage. That's a huge advantage. And when their coaches can evaluate really well and they're just not grabbing and change their mind. I mean, how many times I've been in a meeting where one day a coach likes a guy, the next day he doesn't like the guy based on all perception, based on, you know, I don't want to put my nuts out there. Where I think Amaromo does that. And I think he really is good. So... Look, I think, it, you know, Baltimore now is back. I mean, four out of five games, they win because of Lamar, you know, and with him back on the team, it's going to help. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a happy weekend in Baltimore there with Lamar signing that five-year, $260 million extension with 185 of it guaranteed. I, I do want to point this out about the Cleveland Browns. Though. I thought they made out pretty well given the hand that they that they were dealt with, given that, well, they, they put themselves in that position, giving all those picks over to the Houston Texans for Deshaun Watson. But Dewan Jones, when a lot of people were high on in terms of the talent, some football character stuff going around there, the Ohio State tackle. But if they can get him going, that he can be a really good offensive line for them and then also the, the the sneaky fifth round pick dorian thompson robinson the quarterback out of ucla yeah. i liked him at ucla played a lot of games there that could be something a lot that, of games he's he's clearly not going to be the qb1 but maybe you could flip him if he plays well in the preseason and plays well in some f- spot starts over the four-year contract well the one thing you get an experienced guy i agree with you on that so you know i mean look you can get a tackle in the fourth round i mean like that's like gold i mean that's what i i think if you want to be critical of some teams Teams that need offensive linemen that didn't pick some in the third, fourth, and fifth round, yep. because you you got to get those guys. You, they're just not going to show up on your campus. You got to develop them. You got to have a strategic plan for them. To me, that's team building. That's the art of team building. And it's I love this. You know, well, you know, uh, they said, oh, the Patriots did nothing to help Mac Jones. They drafted three offensive linemen in the fourth round. That doesn't help Mac Jones. Like <laughs> you don't have to draft a receiver to help Mac Jones. Like. It's the, you know, it's the only way, all right? It's the only yeah, way. I mean, if we can get him to count the seven Mississippi, that'll help Matt Jones. Yeah. Well, Belichick hates Mac Jones. I don't know if you saw on Twitter or not. We'll get to the AFCs in just a bit. NFC North, though, uh, the Detroit Lions, we talked a lot about their draft on our Friday episode, recapping the first round, taking Jameer Gibbs, then also Jack Campbell, a linebacker out of Iowa. What do you make of Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, Packers talk about getting some help for Jordan Love. They drafted all the pass catchers to try to make that thing work. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I love they love that they took a defensive lineman that can play. Now, Van Ness didn't start a lot, you know, but he's an edge guy that can go inside and play three technique and nickel. Musgrave's a good player, the tight end, uh, and you know they get get another tight end and Tucker Craft. So that that you know we'll see how that all works out. I thought the Bears were interesting. They took two defensive, they took two big guys, right? They take the Darnell Wright, who will start at right tackle, but their offensive line is still. They took Dexter, the kid from Florida, but when you watch Dexter, he's laid off the ball almost all the time. I like the size of the player. I really do. I love the size of the player. He's one of the few guys in the draft that had size. And But, like, for example, as much as you want to criticize the Lions for taking Gibbs, they took a kid in the third round, Broderick Martin, who has incredible size, He's got power. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes scouts make in in evaluating defensive linemen is they put no value on pushing the pocket. 
they 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 label guys rundown players only. Well, that's true. Some guys are rundown players only, you know, and and maybe that's all they can do. But if a rundown player has the ability to push the pocket, for example, you know, Jumpy Gathers. Jumpy Gathers never won with quickness. He won with power. He just would forklift you back into the quarterback's lap. And he pushes the pocket. And sometimes that becomes really important. Like Maisie Smith for, for Dallas. I mean, yeah, he's a good rundown player. But if he can push the pocket, he's going to make Parsons a better pass rusher. Because he's going to yep. make the pocket tight. And so what, what, what Detroit did with this Broderick Martin kid, who's huge. I mean, this kid went to Western Kentucky. He transferred from, I think he was at two schools. He's 6'5". I mean, Al Davis would have loved everything about him except he ran 5'2". He had like 35-inch wingspan. He's got 11 hands, you know, and, and literally he can walk anybody back to the passer. So that, that to me is, has value. And, you gotta, and when you can get a lineman that can do that, that pushes him way up the list. Yeah, six foot five, three thirty-seven. This is what I'm seeing for Project Martin. That's a massive human. But Detroit Lions. You see that, that that's the that's the Al Davis theory. We better draft yeah. people that they're not a lot of that 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 are not they're not a lot of them on on Earth. That yeah. that's so, why when I bring up the kid from the Florida Dexter, you know he's a big man. Now he's a big man, but you know he doesn't always play. He's late off the ball. You know he's a basketball player. He's very athletic. So we'll see. I mean, the Vikings, look, they, they took Addison. I think there's no doubt that they, the Giants probably would have taken Addison. And instead, the Giants got a good player in, in, in taking the corner banks from Maryland. And because of, there was that run on. I like Gibbs. Laporte's a good player for the – I think at the end of the day, the, Viking, the, the Lions, maybe you don't like the order. And they know something about Swift that we don't know, right? They gave yeah. Swift away. Think about this. They traded Swift to Philadelphia for essentially a fifth-round pick. Because when you boil it all down between the comp picks in the third round, I mean, so that means nobody was offering anything for Swift. Because when, you when you're taking Philly's pick for Swift, you're basically, there's nobody else out there. Because mm-hmm. nobody's, nobody, if, I, if Pittsburgh would have offered a fourth, they would have taken that. If Jacksonville would have offered a fourth, they would have taken If anybody would have offered a fourth, they would have taken it. They know something that we don't know about. I love Swift. I think it's a great get for Philly, but there's more than meets the eye here. And they're, and so Detroit knows something that you just can't criticize them for. Do you think it's they know something that we don't know, or it's just based on his inability to stay on the field? I think it's, the, it's his, they know something about why he in has his inability to stay on the field. Like, for example, uh, I was told... You know, that one of the concerns about Richardson, whether this is true or not, was he has tight hamstrings. Okay, well, that means he's prone to having hamstrings. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the the Colts went did a lot of homework on that and made sure that's clean. But you got to make sure, you know, sometimes there's some things that keep a guy from getting on the field, you know, whether it's arthritis whether it's a, a turf toe, you know, I can remember being in New England. We took Byron, Byron Stork. He was a really good offensive lineman from Florida State. But the trainer, the doctors kept saying he's not going to be able to stay with that foot. And after a year and a half, he couldn't do it. Same thing, you know, we took a receiver the next year in the fourth round from Georgia. And the same thing happened. You know, like the doctors say, hey, you, you know, this guy's not going to last very long. And they end up being right. Sometimes they're wrong. But when they're right, they're right. Yeah, and when they're right, sometimes they can help you dodge. Malcolm bullet. Mitchell, it uh, was Malcolm Mitchell we took in the fourth round, oh, and he yeah. he had he had a lot of talent, but the problem was he had a degenerate knee, and so maybe Swift has a degenerate knee that has arthritis in it. 
Now, you know, Philly probably will t- pass him on a physical. They'll look at it. And for Philly, it's no big deal, right? They can evaluate him, and they, they don't have to move forward for any new contract. Yeah. Well, Philly, they have a couple running backs who have health issues with Rashad Penny as well, who they signed in free agency. Let's get to the NFC South here. The highlight of this division, of course, Bryce Young going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. But what about New Orleans, Atlanta and Tampa? I love New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans, they get it right. They just say defense alignment, offense alignment. They just keep banging away at it. I think the Kendra Miller kid's going to be good. The, the Jake Herner kid they got from Fresno State that kind of started everybody off trying to get it. Look, you can say whatever you want about Atlanta, you know, but when you got four defensive linemen over 30 and, you know, and you're trying to you're trying to find defensive linemen later, it's harder. We'll see if this works out. It's going to be interesting to see how he incorporates Bijan Robinson into it. I think Bijan's a very talented player, so I'm not being overly critical. I love the Panthers. I think the Panthers are a couple moves away from really maybe taking a mother may I step forward. And I think the Bucks are in a rebuilding mode. I mean, look, the Bucks. I don't know if they were interested in any of the quarterbacks, but they didn't seem like it. But you know, they're going in the season with Baker Mayfield and and, and Kyle Trask. You know, I think. You know, that's going to be a challenge for them. I don't think anything they did in this draft is going to move the needle on their win total. Well, uh, Carson Wentz is still out there, isn't he? Has, has he signed? I think with he's anybody? going to stay out there. I don't think he's going to play. I mean, who's going to sign him? I mean, we, we had a record Damn amount it. of quarterbacks drafted. Sean Clifford got drafted by your Packers. Think about that. My Packers. It's big, it's big Daddy's Packers. What do you think about yeah, that? Big Daddy. Big Daddy. He's still complaining. He can find anything. I mean, the Knicks lost. I didn't even text him yesterday when the Knicks lost. I'm sure he wants to fire Thibodeau today. I got him in the playoffs. He wants to fire Thibodeau. Big Daddy, he can find the dirt in the snowstorm. Oh, Big Daddy's hammer's out. You know, Big Daddy's a carpenter by trade. His hammer's out. He's firing everybody left and right now. It don't matter what sport it is. He can get him fired. You know, and he can only watch parts of the game and know the game. I mean, this is the amazing thing about him. He can watch like a little bit of it and he can tell you everything. He picks things up very quickly. One thing I do want to point out about the Bijan Robinson selection for the Atlanta Falcons, the talk about Bijan Robinson is what we've discussed, how he's multiple. You can use him as a runner. You can use him as a receiver. It, it's only worth it if they use him that way because we hear that a lot of times about these running backs. Oh, we're going to use him in so many ways, and then when season comes, they're just running them up into the line uh, of scrimmage. So I, they got to use think- him that way. I think he'll be good for them. I'm not denying. I think Arthur Smith will do a great job of getting him the ball. The problem is, are they going to stop anybody? That's the yeah. problem I have. Are they any good in the kicking game? It's not yeah. a seven-on-seven well, we'll seven league. Let's talk about the kicking game on the other side, because I know you want to highlight what the Niners did on day number two in the NFL draft. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. 
done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic at seed.com shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. I can't believe we waited this long to talk about Michael's favorite player from this past weekend's NFL draft. And it starts in the NFC West with what the San Francisco 49ers did, <laughs> selecting Michigan kicker Jake Moody, 99th overall. Now, I'll admit, when I saw it pop up on the screen when I was watching the draft here in the in the in the, in the cave that I'm sitting Twitter in, Twitter Femi was ready Twitter, to come out. Well, on that well Twitter yeah. Femi did not tweet. I did not tweet about it. I just said, "Huh, that's rather interesting and rather early for a kicker." You though have a different take. Well, I think everybody, you know, saw the the talent in this kicker, and, and earlier in the year. I forget I forget the game it was, but Michigan was playing uh they were playing someone and it was a close game, I forget. It was one of those they Michigan should have won the game, but they won it on a field goal late. Was it the and Illinois game? I know they played. It might have been the Illinois game, yeah. It might have been. And they 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 Jim settled for field goals when the analytics told him he should have gone for gone for it on fourth down. And eventually those field goals won the game for him, like, you know, because they he didn't pass up points. And I text him after the game and I said, what a great, you know, what a great job managing the game, keeping yourself in the game. And, you know, he sent me a text back saying, great, thanks a lot. And, you know, the one thing you got to have is a reliable kicker and we got a great kicker. And, you know, I mean, it was clear this Moody kid is really good. And just talking to people around the league, they love this guy. This guy's got great kickoff ability. He can make kicks from everywhere. He's deadly accurate. I mean, he is now I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid because when, you know, he's not Justin Tucker yet, but. You know, he's got that kind of skill. And when you're an offense like San Francisco, who typically will move the ball, I mean, they don't go very many three and outs, and you have a kicker that can kick it, you're going to get some points. Remember, points per play, points per drive, are critical numbers in the NFL to analyze. So this gives them. And then they have the best inside the 20 punter with the, one of the best defenses. So you add those combinations. You make your offense, you make your opponent play on a long field. You're always getting some form of points, whether it's three or seven, and you have a guy that can control field position. I mean, that's where special teams matter. It, it, it's the hidden value of the kicking game. Nobody sees it, but when you're Dallas and you're, you know, you've got a third, you got three eighteen to go in the game, and you got joystick comes out there and throws three incomplete passes, and then you punt it back to to him, and you get the ball back at first and ten at your own. 12 with with no timeouts left and you know and you got to go 90 some yards to get it or 80 some yards to get it and then you realize how important the kicking game is or how important matching your game strategy to the kicking game becomes 
I mean, how about Dallas in the playoffs last year with Brett Maher when he couldn't make a single extra point, and then all of a sudden it becomes the story heading into that 49er game about how he can't make kicks, and then he shanked the kick, and that, it was, that was a whole deal. Like when, you, when you don't have a kicker, it becomes a very, very big deal. And to your point, though, it is the Illinois game. Jake Moody, he made three fourth-quarter field goals, and those are the nine points that they scored to ultimately win that game by two against Illinois. So Yeah, it, I mean, it was, so look, you know, we've seen this happen, right? Kickers matter, you know, we say they don't, but they do, you know, and they get a kicker on a four-year contract at really cheap numbers. Now, he's got a hit. I mean, McPherson, the reason the Bengals are in the damn win the Super Bowl is because of McPherson. I mean, I think Burrow's great, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, he made a lot of kicks and pressure in that playoff run. I just think, to me, this is was a great pick for their team. I really do. And, you know, and, and they get him at 99. They got him before everybody, you know, when Friday, that was on Friday night. And then that put Saturday, they went to bed knowing they had the kicker, which to me, it gives you a relief as opposed to now you're trying to trade up in the fourth round to get the kicker. Well, here's 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan on the reason why they picked that kicker, Jake Moody, 99th overall out of Michigan. Still can't believe we didn't take a running back, um, but you know it was a necessary need. And um, but if you're going to do it, you better do it with the right one. And you know we felt like we got the best kicker um, in the draft. It's not it's not quite as fun as some other things can be, but I think it would be if we'd had a bad kicker for the last six years. I think everyone would be like, all right, we finally invested and we got one. But you know when you have one who's been like Robbie and so consistent, it's a little anticlimactic. But it was something that is extremely important. You know what he's saying there is we basically we didn't want to get rid of Robbie, but we got to pay Nick Bosa. That's what he's saying there. We didn't want to get rid of Robbie, but we can't keep paying Robbie and pay Nick Bosa. So we shifted. We we got somebody as good as hopefully as good as Robbie for cheap. And so now we're going to pay Nick Bosa. That's what he's saying. He didn't want to get rid of Nick Bosa. He didn't want to get rid of Robbie. But the, the NFL salary cap forces you to make choices. And by drafting this guy in the third round, it gave him a choice. Yeah. Well, Nick Bosa is about to get paid coming off of that defensive player of the year campaign that he had. What did you make of the rest of the NFC West, though, and what they did in the draft? I mean, I think the Cardinals set themselves up for the future. I mean, you know, they got Paris Johnson. They finally drafted an offensive lineman. You know, they got a bunch of picks. I think a lot of the jury's still going to be out on that, you know, on what they did and how they look. They need an influx of talent. So whoever they picked, whether it's, you know, the defensive lineman from LSU, the, the the corner Williams, Wilson, you know, the receiver. I mean, all that they all have to come in and play well because they're they're to me their talent level, especially in the offensive and defensive lines, are voided. Same thing with the Rams. I mean, the Rams need you know whoever they picked have to play. I thought the most interesting pick was Stetson Bennett because to me, you know, there's a lot about Bennett that you know not only his age, but there's other things that well that kind of, but Sean. Obviously saw something in him, and he feels the quarterback. I like I like Seattle. They got the inside slot receiver. They got running back Charbonnet, another running back in, in, in what, what, the 52nd pick. And then Witherspoon gives them a legitimate man-to-man corner to go along with all their other players. I think this is another good draft for Schneider. I mean, they're closing the gap. I think they're another defensive lineman away, especially mm-hmm. an edge rusher to close that gap. Yeah, no, and that's why I felt that Will Anderson would have probably been the apple of their eye if he was there at number five there to try to shore up that edge rusher spot there. But Seattle is adding to a really young and talented roster. They continue to make that step forward. Maybe they challenge the 49ers in the division because the 49ers, look, 
they're a really talented team, but we still have uncertainty at quarterback with Brock Purdy and the elbow injury. And then, you know, your boy, Sam Darnold, he might be the week one starter. How about that? Huh? I would bet that I would bet it before Trey Lance, but that's just me, you know, but I'm sure there's some people out there, some at our network that are going to bet Trey Lance to be the MVP again this year. They're going to waste their pick. St. Jude's is available if you want to make that donation. <laughs> well, apparently the 1-800 number has been canceled, according yes, to John Lynch. That. But for, for some reason, though, Sorry. if somebody dialed it, I think you would pick up the phone. I mean, that, that's a great <laughs> point, though. I mean, think about this. If you're D'Amico Ryans and you get the job in Houston, right, and mm-hmm. you're sitting there, you know Lance, right? If you thought Lance – wait a minute, you could say Nick. Lance is better than Stroud. Why won't we just trade for Lance? Mm. Mm, maybe you don't think he's better than Stroud. I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> you were implying it. Uh, or maybe in Tennessee. Tennessee Same moved thing. up to get Will Levis. Exactly. Exactly. Man. The, the, you wonder why the 1-800 number got shut down? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> the number doesn't work if nobody calls it. <laughs> Let's talk about the AFC West, though. The Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they didn't really draft any big name guys or picking late in the draft and all that stuff. We'll see what happens. I mean, whatever the Chiefs did on this draft weekend wasn't really going to matter to what they do in 2023. The Chargers, Broncos and Raiders are trying to close that gap against Kansas City, who's been running that division for the better part of a decade now. Yeah, I mean, look, the kid they they drafted, the edge rusher, Felix uh, Azuma, Uh, You know, a lot of people said that they took him too early. Who knows? But I think to me, the strategy of picking defensive linemen, they get the offensive tackle in the at 92. If he hits the Chargers were interesting in the sense that, you know, I felt they needed a defensive tackle. There probably wasn't one there. You know, they take Quinton Johnson, who there was a lot of he didn't get invited to the to the to the uh, to Kansas City because there were some questions whether he was going to be a first rounder. He kind of fits what they are at the Chargers, a vertical outside receiver, Uh, not great hands. You know, Broncos, you know, they moved around the board like Sean likes to do. They made a few trades. Riley Moss is a, is a very athletic, fast corner. But, I mean, and then the Raiders, you know, the Raiders get two two really good character players. Wilson, you, where they talked about the tap. So the tap is a psychological thing that goes back to 19, the, the, the early, the late 80s. Uh, Bob Troutline mm-hmm. has been doing this for years, and he does a tremendous job. And it's a, it's a, it's, it gives you a profile of the player and you can dig deeper into it. I wrote about it in Gridiron Genius. And so what that tap kind of tells you about is the heart of the player. Like today, the Daily Coach, we wrote about the ability to take talent, but talent that sees themselves as underachievers. That's that heart, that that ability to drive yourself forward. And that's what Wilson's tap indicated that he had, which is tremendous. You know, when you have a guy with his much skill set and that much competitiveness, you're going to hit. And same thing with Mayer. You know, and so the other guys, they've got to feel, look, the Raiders are no different than the Cardinals, really. At the end of the day, they need talent. But I'll say this about the Raiders. Their locker room's different. you got Devontae Adams. you got Garoppolo. you got kid like Mayor Wilson. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you got uh, 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 Max Crosby. you you Crosby, got some yeah. guys that are just, you know, they want to win. They want to play football. That That permeates its way through the locker room. I think that's probably the bigger strength of all. I want to talk more about Michael Mayer, though, the Notre Dame tight end, who they picked 35th overall. We talked about him a lot on this podcast, and you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned how you watched his 2021 tape and his 2022 tape, and on TV, he looked like a stud tight end, but when you actually watched the the All-22 film, it was a little underwhelming. Yeah, tw- it wasn't as good as some other 20, guys here. 
21 was much better. 22 was not a good year. I don't know if he had injuries. See, you know, one thing about college football, we don't know the injury report. So when you're watching them. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know what his weight was, if he got bigger, you know, but everybody, the Brian Kelly era at Notre Dame, they all love this kid. They think this is one of the greatest kids they've ever had. And he's got magnetic personality. So and, and Josh McDaniels know how to use it. I mean, they'll use him as a Y. He's truly a Y. Laporte, who Detroit took right above him. He's more of an F. He's kind of going to be in the slot, move around, line up in the backfield. Mayer is going to be a Y. And if he goes back to that 21, he can be really a good player. I mean, you know, I, I actually, before this draft process started, I thought, shit, that guy should be a top 10 pick. But then the 22 year didn't lend itself to that. Mm-hmm. If the Raiders end up going with that 21 personnel or 12 personnel, they want to put him and, and Moreau on the field at the same time. Then well, Moreau's maybe not going to be there because right? of the injury, you know. I mean, so he's not oh. going to be there. But they're going to have to, you know, they're going to be in a lot of, I would think they're going to be in some 11. They'll be in 12 because they got to get Jacobs the ball, right? They're going to mm. get Jacobs the ball. They're going to run it. So they need somebody at the end of the line that can handle that. Yeah, and Michael Mayer, he had a lot of experience blocking at Notre Dame and also a pretty, pretty good pass catcher as well down the field. We have two more divisions that we need to get to here on the GM Shuffle. My favorite division, the NFC East. We'll get Michael's thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles and if they're going to hang the banner in the springtime before the games are even played. We'll discuss that. And also the AFC East, everyone wants to know what you think of the New England Patriots draft. We'll talk about that on the other side. We're going to take a quick break, though, but this is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, we've saved the dessert for last year, Michael Lombardi. Oh, yeah. Both, huh? both East divisions here, the NFC East, the AFC East, a couple of divisions that are near and dear I, to both of our hearts here. I, I think my memory <laughs> of this draft will be your face when the Eagles drafted Jalen Carter. You know, I mean, you were between tears, pain, you know, it was like you were watching a bad movie and you wanted to cry, but you wanted to, you know, but you didn't want to cry in front of your kids because you didn't want to see them that, that hurt you. Like, you know, like this was painful. Like I could just see it. And I, that, the, the best is yesterday when before I left, I saw you and Dave Ross convincing yourself that everything's going to be okay. You know, th- th- this is what makes pro football so good is the fans being able to rationalize yeah. You know, that even when it looks so obvious that, you know, this Eagle team is going to grease those poles again coming down Broad Street, that, you know, you guys got that stiff upper lip, you know, you're ready to go. You're going to, you know, you're not going to back down from it. No, we're not backing down. We're not backing down from the Philadelphia Eagles. I I, I was... Uh, I was upset that they take that they took Jalen Carter, and that was something that I could see coming a mile away in, the, in our lead up to the draft for about a month. I was like, man, Carter. The, the, the more we keep hearing about 
teams are concerned with the character and all that. I was like, damn it, he's going to fall right in their lap and they're going to take him. And I'm going to have to deal with that dude for at least four to five years. Uh, we'll see what happens beyond that. But uh, it, it's a really good pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, only having to move up one spot with the Chicago Bears to take who we believe is the best pound for pound player in this draft, as long as everything checks out off the field here. But should we be greasing the polls already for, for, for well, Philadelphia? I mean, I mean look, everybody wants to hang a banner now after they took all those Georgia guys and then they got DeAndre Swift. Well, I think like, look, Nolan Smith, I think he'll be for next year's team. I mean, will he beat Brendan Graham out or Riddick? I don't know. You know, they'll probably find a role for him. Uh, the guard, I think, well, you know, they drafted the Steen, the kid from Alabama who's played almost all the positions in the line. I mean, what Philly does is what Jeffrey Lurie believes in, is you win the game with offensive and defensive alignment and how he executes the plan. And he picks off pieces like Swift and, you know, Penny, you get discounted numbers on backs that are out there as opposed to paying top dollar. So, you know, the, 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 look, this is a good team, and they strengthen themselves. They get Jalen Carter to replace Hargrave. Will he be dominant away? Yeah, I think he will be. Jordan Davis has to be good, too. I mean, Ringo was the corner that everybody loved. You know, they traded next year's pick to get Ringo, so they, you know, they invested in him, and they give him another corner. And well, the beautiful thing about Philly's draft is none of these guys have to come in and be stars. They, they can learn the position, learn the learn what they have to do, and then, and then they then become – players so th- this this draft was as good as it appears on paper the the true the true value and the fruits of their labor are going to come out in the 2014 yeah they also drafted your see, boy the Tanner like, McKee, the, like, the, like, the, like the giants okay like the giants you know the, the difference between the eagles and the giants the the giants need banks they need michael schmitz to come through they need hyatt they, those guys need to contribute immediately now, you know, Carter's going to contribute. They don't. The Eagles don't need Nolan Smith to contribute. They don't need Steed to contribute. They don't need Ringo to contribute. You know, they're just different in terms of that. But, you know, they're, they're going to need – that's why – same thing with Washington. I think Washington had a really good – I think Forbes is a really good player, 166 pounds. I think Martin's a really good player. I think Stromberg's a really good center. So they got three really good players early. And I think, you know, I mean, look, we know the, com- the commanders are the sneaky team in the East to compete with Philly. Because they can match them in the defensive front. Now their offensive line can't really, as it hasn't really moved the needle as much as I would have liked. That being said, you know they're still a, whether if Howell's good or not, that's going to be the reality. And then Dallas, I mean, look, Schoonmaker is a really good player if he can stay healthy. Now, that's a big if, though, right? That's a big if. So, you know, did anybody close the gap? I mean, look, the Commanders are a quarterback away from closing the gap, but they and that's really and they may have that guy. I, I didn't watch Sam Howe practice or go through scout teams, so I don't know. I saw him play in one game, and he was good. He wasn't great. He was good. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think Sam Howe is arguably what, the most interesting player in the NFC, just like well, how he's going to perform this year because the, the the gap between what the commanders can be or like the, the I guess – I want to say the spectrum it's a wide spectrum they could be either be really good if he's good or they could be i mean really bad if he's a bad player as well but well, i don't know I'm if really, really bad i think the two things that you have to worry about i don't think the running back situation in washington is is as great as people think it is and i think the quarterback i think those two things you know if if the, let's say they traded for derrick henry and this is just speculative now all of a sudden sam howell's going to be a better player right Mm-hmm. You know, and they're going to be a different kind of team. And, and Henry would give them a, would really would enhance their defense tremendously. I'm not saying they could trade for Henry. I'm just saying, like, if you the, the, like they the, don't the have that get you back. back, huh? <laughs> the, the aggregators are going to get you. You keep putting stuff out there like that. 
but they that that they don't have that back. You know, they don't have that back. If they had that back, like I think they have basically 59 runners. If they had a blue chip runner, uh, like a real blue chip player in their backfield to take to really control the game, I think they could it would help their offensive line, it would help all their things. Hmm. Uh, I'm obviously biased, but I thought the best moment of the draft came from the Dallas Cowboys on day three. I don't know if you saw the clips on social media, Michael. Yeah, that's awesome. With, uh, yeah, with, with Chris Vaughn, the father of Deuce Vaughn, the Kansas State running back, All-American over at K-State, and he got to make the call. And Chris Chris Vaughn that's has awesome. been with the Dallas Cowboys for a, a long time, assistant director of the college scouting and all that stuff. And he, he gets to call his, his own son to, to make that selection. And like the whole war room was almost – it was a little misty-eyed in there and all yeah. that stuff. That was a really cool moment. I think the Cowboys do a really good job in player personnel and scouting. I think they do a really good job. I think, like I've said many times, I think Will McClay should be, you know, I know he's kind of, he runs it down in Dallas. We know Jerry's not out there with his stopwatch doing all that or Steven. So, you know, but he does a great job. And what I admire about Will is he, he doesn't mind staying in the background. He knows his role and he's about winning, which I think is really important. So that was a great moment. I mean, anytime you can enjoy your children's success, I mean, there's nothing better. No, that was really cool. If you haven't seen it, you can go see it on the Dallas Cowboys Twitter page. They've been tweeting about it all weekend, and, and rightfully so, because it was really cool. Uh, let's talk about the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills are the favorites, plus 130, at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, they took Dalton Kincaid with their first overall selection. The Jets added some guys in the trenches, Will McDonald, Joe Tittman, the center. Dolphins, though, they added more speed, because that's what they love down there on South Beach. And then New England, who uh, we had Bucky Brooks on the Lombardi line. He felt that their first-round pick, Christian Gonzalez, could be the most impactful impactful defensive player in year one. Yeah, I mean, look, his skill set is off the charts in terms of athleticism. It's is he going to be physical enough to tackle? And, and this isn't a question of whether he tackles, you know, the guy he covers. He'll tackle that guy. He'll get that guy. It's it's Kennedy's going to come up and be the edge support guy. And they'll mm-hmm. get him to do that. I mean, this is a plus he gives something New England hasn't had. They, they needed a size corner. They needed a size corner. And the white kid is a violent edge setter. He's really a physical player. And they'll get, you know, and he can play inside and outside. He's athletic as hell. Now, he can turn and run with wheel routes. Uh, Moppy, the kid from Sac State, is really an interesting player. You know, when I was watching him on tape, uh, you, you, you kind of have a sense that is he, he looks like Steve Atwater out there, but he's a way better athlete than Steve Atwater. And he's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying this kid's yeah. a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying when you watch, look how big he is in the box. He's a linebacker. And he's exactly the kind of player that, that New England needs to compete with these running quarterbacks. Because they need somebody who can be in the box, who can run, who can tackle. This kid's really smart. What I love about New England's draft, I know they got the kicker in the fourth round, which was important. They got three offensive linemen. I mean, they get the... They get the the center, who Andrews, who I think is a really good center from Troy State. They get so this big right tackle from Eastern Michigan, and then they get uh, the Mappi. I, I want to say Mati. Uh, since the, the, they drafted yeah, Mappo uh, and, and then Mati. Antonio Mafi. Uh, Antonio yeah. Mafi at UCLA. I thought he was the, the Arizona mm-hmm. took a guard from UCLA. I thought this was the better guard, but that's all beauties in the eye of the beholder. But look, let's just say this. Let's just play this out. They take three offensive linemen in the fourth round. They get two of those guys to start for them and play good. That's a that's that makes your draft an A. Doesn't matter what else you did in your draft. You got two cheap offensive linemen that start in a play above the line that can play against anybody. I mean, that's a home run. That's team yeah. building. That's what you have to do because you you know you can't pay for Joe Tooney in the open market. It's hard. 
you know, you're, you're paying for that. You can't pay for those guys. So I, I like that. I like Kincaid for Buffalo. I think this – we may see Buffalo more in 12 personnel with Kincaid and Knox. And I think if they went to 12, especially if Knox is the slot receiver, because Knox is more of, a, of, a, of an inside big receiver, mm-hmm. it, it could help their run game a little bit. And, uh, and Osiris Torrance was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go in the first round, but his medical is going to be the concern there. Is he going to be good enough? And then, I, I mean, look, the, the Jets take – Two big guys. And how can you argue with that? They get a center in Tipman and they get McDonald. And so, you know, look, we know this. I mean, this draft, it's funny. Baltimore gets credited for signing Lamar because they get an A because they signed Lamar. And poor Miami, who trades for Jalen Ramsey, they don't even mention him in this draft. And they get a, you know, like, seriously, they gave up a three for him. So I think that's their draft, you know, that these guys from Miami aren't going to impact their team. You know, no. Jalen Ramsey will. Well, well maybe uh, Devin Achain, the, the running back out of Texas A&M, fast guy. Maybe he impacts them. We know Mike McDaniel likes to kind of rotate those running backs in and out. Well, he so don't call any run adding, plays. So how the hell is he going to do it? Well, you got to highlight my man Tua in, in that passing game with Tyreek Hill no and Jalen Waddle. So uh, we'll see what happens later on this season. But, uh, yeah, that's the NFL draft. We went through it. We recapped all the divisions. Our draft exchange extravaganza recap has come to an end. We do have an important programming note. There will be no podcast on Thursday. So make sure to write that down. Put that in your schedule. But no we'll pod be back on, on Thursday and Thursday. We will be back week. Monday. You got to let yes, me move we- across the country here. You know, I got to move across the country slowly here. <laughs> Yes. So don't tweet at me. Tweet at Michael and say, hey, get back to Jersey. All right. Yeah, I'm, we need I'm getting podcast. there. Don't worry. I'm going to get there eventually. I got to see, you know, I got, but I got I, I got to take dogs. It's not it's this is not an easy maneuver. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't look like it. Uh, making a trip from Vegas to Jersey sounds like a long, long road trip. We wish you all the safe travels. Make sure you uh, stop by get some nice little food and on the, yeah. along the way. Maybe, uh, maybe, we'll, maybe go we'll, check we'll, out another presidential library if you have yeah. some time. I wish uh, I wish I had time to go to the Truman Library. I don't know if I could talk Millie into that, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes as I pass through there. Yeah, well, I'm sure you'll find a way to talk Millie into it. But uh, uh, next week is exciting, though, because the schedule is going to come out next Thursday. The regular Beautiful. season schedule. We will know all 272 games, and then we can really start to dive we into this. We might have to do uh, that pod season. on Friday after the schedule's out. We might have to do that yeah, we Friday. Might have. We might have to shift it to a Friday pod. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk to our guy, Elliot. Bo. We're going to keep yeah, going back. Good. Keep collecting your data. Keep collecting your data. Make sure you bet the make sure you bet those Bears tickets for the to win the win, win the North, please. We want, we want to make sure we have an accurate sample size. So, so we'll make sure we get that Thanks, going Elliot. in the fall of 2023. Thank you to our producer Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Beast. And thank you to all of you guys. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Once again, no pod on Thursday. We'll be back Monday to talk all things NFL here on the GM Shuffle, presented by DraftKings and Beast. And I'll talk to you then, Michael. Thank you.